Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to be joined by Ramesha Floor from Lakewood. And we'll be discussing um, his actually his second edition now of the Sefer Bikura Yaki, which is on Hilcha Sukkah from the Aruch Lener. And uh, he did this, I believe, over 20 years ago, and it just was reissued again in a little slightly updated edition. It was out of print for a while. So thank you, Ramesha, for joining me. Yes, you're welcome, Rav Nachi. So let's start off. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, um, I learned in uh, New Rochelle in high school. That's the yeshiva that's now called Peekskill Yeshiva. At that time, uh, located over there before they moved a number of years ago, I guess about 25, 35 years ago to Peekskill. Uh, after that, I was in Ertisral in the Mir. And after that, in Lakewood. So um, basically, I'm in Lakewood for quite a while, um, 35 plus years. And uh, I have always been a very avid Sparum collector. And doing that would always be a problem looking at old Sparum. So in the end was, I figured, you know, Sparum need to be done over and for people to use, myself included. And that's how I got into generally trying to look at old Svarim, maybe fix them for myself, and then sometimes I would type them over, and then sometimes I would print them. The Bukuri Yaakov Sefer, this happened, um, again, I started it in Tafshin Nunhei, 1995. It was after I just did a a different project from the... um, Mishnah Melech, Tshuva Swarm. I'm sorry, Lecha Mishnah, actually. Uh, he had some uh, unknown safer printed in the back of the Talmud um, drushes that I did for someone. And Rabbi Yitzchak Nunes. And after that, I figured, you know, the Sefer Bikuriyakov is something that I use a lot. Very hard to look at in the old print. So I thought maybe I should try to retype it so that when I want to look at it, it looks good. And that's how things began. The cipher itself is not known too much to people, even who know about the Archaner, because the printer is always printed in the back of the sukkah, Archaner on sukkah. So if you don't know about it, you just know I have a set Archaner at home, you don't realize that in the set, you also have his cipher Bikuriyakov. And that's why it always felt it bothered me that people, when you tell them Darchaner wrote a Sefer Bukuriyakov, they'd look at what? I never saw that before. So that also bothered me. I figured if it would be available separately, more people would be ma'ayin in it. They'd see the great chidushim that he has and the, the Kvaldika way he's masber things clearly and halach lamaisa that really need all the time, whether it's sukkah or lulav. Uh, it comes up once a year at least, you know, more than more than more than you think. Really, there's a lot of things in there that are not related to those two things. But in the end, is it's basically a sefer that covers a lot, a lot of topics, not only in that but in other inyanim. Fascinating how he brings things together and very clear, very concise, and a beautiful sefer to use. So let's talk a little bit about the Archaner, um, who was Yaakov Yuk of Etlinger. He lived in, uh, was in Germany, 1798 to 1871, I believe, of the years. Um, actually, the, I think the Professor Judith Bleich wrote her dissertation on him. Um, and, you know, like you said, people know him as from the Archaner. That's what they know him as. But actually, uh, the Bikur Yaakov was his first safer that he wrote. So we'll, we'll get to that a little later. But, I mean, did you, I don't know how much research you did on him himself, but, I mean, what can you say about him before we get to the actual safer? Yeah, he was an interesting uh, person. Besides being a tremendous Lamdin, Talmud Chachem, we call him Talmudist, but Halacha person, very, very big Halacha person. A little unknown was that he was also a person that was very, very well versed in Kabbalah. And you could see it in the way when he wrote his first Sefer at age of 34 or so, in his early 30s, he wrote this Bukuri Yaakov, where he starts off with a remez in the beginning, the first part, there are two parts to Hilchah and Lulav, obviously, Hilchah starting in Tav Reish Mem Hay, 
I'm sorry, Tafresh Chafe, and a Lulav and Esrigin Tafresh Memhe. Each section starts off with a remez of Aleph, Dalad Nun Yud, Yud Kevavke. The difference is he starts off Aleph, Dalad Nun Yud, and then Yud Kevavke for the Hilchas Sukkah. Hilchas Lulav, he combines Aleph, then Yud, Dalad, then He, Nun, then, then etc. It's intertwined. But in any case, that's really a remez, a Kabbalistic remez. And he talks about Kabbalah a little bit, not really too much here, in his Svarim on uh, Drushes, on uh, Chumash, and in other places he's Maram is a little bit more. But in general, he doesn't get into it too much, but it's nice to see it sometimes where he talks about and he explains that why certain things are done which in the previous generations weren't aware of Kabbalah, but now that we know it, for example, he talks about the whole Indian of Rishanis is really only known now. We talk about that the people say it's because of the Tfil Al-Mayim, but he said that was then really Kabbalistic. Now that we know more Kabbalah, it really has to do with Kabbalah in Yonim rather than the straight way that the tour might have talked about it non-Kabbalistically. So, he was a big person in all facets. Of course, he went to a little bit of university, controversial question why he went there. But in general, his his focus was very straightforward, halachic, and, and in Gemara, very big um, uh, explanations and all these things. So for me, all around, he had a kite, as we say, very phenomenal kite in all places, wherever you see, suddenly he talks about something you wouldn't imagine is connected, and he would give you a, a good explanation, straight to the point, without pull-pull, without this, but very, very good. And it's enjoyable to look at all of this svarim, how he, how he brings things together. It's amazing. Right, I was mentioning he was the chief rabbi in, in Altona, and, uh, and, and he, um, he also, like you said, Minchas Ani is the savior of Joshua Salatayra, that's been redone. Um, he also has mentioned the which there are a couple kind of editions. Machon Yerushalayim's in middle of, they did four volumes of like somewhat a critical edition, but you know, they're not finished. Um, and I will mention here already, the one on Sukkah, because I got this question, the one on Sukkah does not have Bikuri active in the back of the Machon Yerushalayim. The standard four volume, a basic set that's just a new font does have the Bikuri active, but there's really nothing really done there. Um, he also published a journal over many years. He would publish like a, like a newspaper, kind of Shemitzi on Nemon, um, which actually was published in two volumes of facsimile. It's not, it's not around now anymore. Just then we'll, we'll, it's relevant for when we get to your work on the Bikuri Akit. So, I mean, that's um, kind of thing. And you talked about it. You decided to. Um... Yeah, well, I, when I started doing it, you know, computers was very hard to, to use at that time. I mean, to say is uh, using it to set up things, you needed the really high-end programming to do it. And I was not ready to get into it that way, but I did it. The Chathila was really so that I should be up to use it for myself. But as I went along and I saw there were things to be moisted, not just typing it over, which I did, but there were things that would help in general, whether others from to discuss what he wrote. In general, people needed a little extra in this, in the safer that would be of a big tayelis, which I was willing to do the research. And as I started going into it, I was adding different things. But it was amazing when I started doing it. Really amazing is when I thought about what I would need to to make it better. I was told <clears throat> that um, that there's a people that are, you know, relatives, that maybe I should be in touch with them. And someone mentioned to me the name of someone, which I was really didn't know who he was, Rabbi Horowitz from Barish Line. And he would be of help because he's an anical. So I how do I get a hold of him? Yeshiva. Then someone else told me he has a son that's right now currently in Riverdale, Riverdale, New York. He's a chazan of a shul there. And he just moved here from Eric Yisrael, but he speaks English. He's originally from England. And I should call him up until I got his number, until I did all these things. And in Mamish, um, one day I just said, you know what? Today I'm going to find his number. I did a search. I found his number. And I call him up. And I leave a message on his phone. And a day later, I get this uh, like frantic, interesting phone call. I pick up the phone. This person says to me, are you Mamish Floria? 
I don't know who you are. It's very strange. You call me, leave me a message, and you punk happened to call me on the Archlaner's yard site. It was the first day of Hanukkah. So whatever it is you're doing, it must be something good because why would you randomly call me an anical punk on his yard site? I said, you know, I didn't know his yard site. But yeah, I'm calling you about the safer and I'm trying to see if there's things we could do about it and work it over. So that's how I began getting more into it. At the time, I wasn't just for myself, but I thought it's going to work out something very important in the end, which it did, Baruch Hashem. Now, something interesting about the Sefer is that I, 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 I forgot another one of his farms. So I'm going to say this is his only Halacha Sefer that he wrote. Obviously, the, I forgot is Shalos Tshuva's Binyan Sien, which has been redone twice, once and was reissued, but it's not around still for some reason. So that, but leaving that aside, the Tshuva's Halacha work, this is only Halacha work. He's obviously famous for his Archanar and Shas. Um, now, I mean, is there, why did he write this Halacha work? I mean, he never, he didn't do any other Halachas for him. Punk, you know, and Halachas Sukkah and all of that's what he wrote. Well, he writes in the Zagdamba, you know, there's like things that people use and need, and, and it's a lot of back and forth in different place skim. There's, you know, besides the Nessie Kalim, there are other notable swarim, you know, um, whether it's the Lavush and the Al Yaraba and the Farsham over there. And, and it's hard to, to figure out, you know, because you have so many, he wanted to write a clear cut straight final, you know, I guess you call final for his time um, 200 and something years ago, but he wanted to give it a, a way to like, there's prima godams that are on there and other things. So he goes through all these things and and he decides, you know, listen, you know, that's how things are in general in Halacha, you know, whether it's the Mishnah Brura or Hashulchan or, or whatever, you go through a lot of different Halacha Dikasparim which go one way or the other, and then you come to a, a achlot. And he felt there's a lot of things going on, Dine Sukkah and Dine Lulav and Esrig and all these Dalaminim that, that, that need to be come to a conclusion of, of you know, which way the halacha should go. Maybe uh, that was people asking him a lot. Of, I don't know exactly, but that's where he started his first Sefer. And it's, it's amazing that it made a tremendous impression in the oilam of the, you know, from people and the lamdim and this, because everybody seemed to have something to say about what he wrote. And in fact, at the time, he was a young person. At the time when he was doing this, the God Ladar was Rabbi Kiva Eger. And Rabbi Kiva Eger himself was so taken by the Sefer, he wrote him a letter how he how he happy he was to see that the safer came out and how phenomenal it is, and that he must write him Ha'aris. So he's sending him now, just right now, because he hasn't have time. I'm sending you right now quick six Ha'aris. That's what he wrote him. And I have more, but I'll leave it for later. Unfortunately, Rukivega was nifter shortly after this letter was sent out. So the six Ha'aris of Rukivega. I, not that he had cautious, some of them were just horrors, not, not that he was trying to argue or trying to maybe disagree with him, but he sent him these six horrors, which in the second edition that the Archonair himself printed, he put it in, among other horrors of other people. But this six horrors came in, the others were never sent, never, never appeared, so we don't know what they were, but that was an amazing how the rest of the world, all over the place, any place where there were people, Brabonim or Stam, Lomdom, they were writing him about Horus of things that he was Mechadish and things that he that they disagreed or maybe wanted to add on or something. So it was amazing at the time when he did it because he wasn't, he was a young person. Of course, he was an important Rav, but he's still in his 30s. So compared to everything else, it was pretty amazing how his Sefer came out and, and created this tumult or whatever you want to call it in, in the world. I think also we forgot to mention that the two... Uh... Um, the two main German Gedalim after his after his time were his Talmidim, Rosh Hashanah Hirsch and Abizuel Hildesheimer. I think we should make mention they were his Talmidim of his. So, um, you know, back to the Sefer, I mean, what, what is the overall style of the actual Sefer of the Kuryakov? So, so, again, as I mentioned, he doesn't get into big pulpulim. He basically starts off almost every Sif, Sif Cotton, almost every one. He's going to bring down the Magad of Rome, maybe the Taz, and then he'll go through what the issues are in this thing that he's being done. And then he'll try to, like, if there's a machlaikis, let's say, I mean, the Taz and Mogan of Rome, he'll 
he'll try to, you know, give you a little more his opinion. Sometimes he's machria one way or the other, or if there's a difference. Um, and other times he'll he'll bring in, you know, things that you might not be aware that are maybe from the Gemara itself, where in his Arachlaner, he brings down a little more, you know, the lumbus of the sugya that the vow. Uh, he'll write Sham Besifri Hirachti. And then most of the time, I think of all the time, in the Bikir Yaakov, when he brings down from his Sefer, he doesn't tell you where in the Sefer it is, you know. So one of the things that I was bothered by, and which I made sure to do, I think all the time, whenever he would mention it, I would research up and look up what he wrote over there and then put in like a side note for myself. Oh, it's on Daft this and this, Divya Maskell this and this. Of course, when I printed over the Sefer, I made sure to put that Maramokim in, among many others, because a lot of times all you guys is Bepimagadim or Aleph Aleph, uh, which means Bepimagadim sometimes, or sometimes it means somebody else. Um, some, sometimes he uses the same Rosh Tevis, and you have to figure out who he's talking about. But even if he writes uh, Taz and Morgan of Rum, uh, he's not bringing you where, which Sif Cotton. Sometimes it's right there. Sometimes it could be a Sif Cotton a few la- a little bit later. So that was one of the main things that I was doing was making sure that the clear Maramokim is in there. Um, and then it would help you if you want to like look. Now, it's interesting to note that sometimes he's quoting a different cipher, whether it's a Lavush or Al Yarabah. It's interesting to note that not always is he quoting direct from there. Sometimes he's quoting the way the El Yarabah is quoted somewhere else. And when you look at the original El Yarabah, it's a little different. Shinuyim, some words are different or sometimes even skipped over. I would make a note of it in my footnotes that I put on. I, Among other things, I do try to see if he's exact quote or not. Most of the time, he's quoting exactly. But sometimes, for some reason, it's not exact quote. And it might make enough kamin if you read the original. So I make note of it. Does he pask in himself Allah in there a lot? Who? The Archlaner? Yeah. The reactive quotes, and it brings a Allah He'll tell you straight out. A lot of things that, you know, that are clear. And a lot of times, you know, he'll tell you, okay, there's a machlaikas here, but I have rias to say for one side. And he'll tell you, Alkain, you should be machmir or Alkain, yeshlahakal, or whatever it is. Or sometimes he'll say that uh, that it's totally people are writing about a certain din that they're misunderstanding, and he'll go straight to what he thinks is even if it's connected to everybody else. I mean, it's not really true in, in most cases, but basically sometimes he'll come up with something that is totally not been mentioned or a chiddush that he says nobody's mentioned about it. He'll come up and say, you know, that's why therefore you should make sure to do a certain thing. Even if you don't think it's like, why would you do it? But that's what he feels it is. He comes out very clear. He's not not afraid to pass in the shilas. He'll tell you that's the way it should be done or whether you're doing it this way or that way, you should change it. Or sometimes we'll say, maybe keep your minig, but if you don't have a minig, you should go in a certain way because that's more correct. So let's get to a little bit of substance in the safer. And I know we were talking earlier and, uh, you know, you said someone asked you and you were telling me this, but what's the most famous one? There's a lot of, obviously, like I said, it's a very famous safer on, 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 uh, on Hilchasaka. And we'll, we'll talk about the Mishnah Bura, obviously, uh, using it. But, but, you know, what would you, what would you say is the most famous one? And, um, you know, it all depends on examples. But you, there's a lot of examples the Sefer is famous for, okay? And there's some things they're not famous for, which we should be aware of, that he mentions that are big tradition that that we should maybe be nice. So people like to look at sort of a little bit off, you know, a little like, wow, how could you say that? And that's one of the ideas that are mentioned in the Sefer, the number of them. In halacha, there's one type that is famous, and there's another one that people always latch onto as it's amazing that you would say such a swara. So let me give you that example first. He talks about the Indian when it comes to, to Dalad Minim, the Shokhanarch mentions that this, the, the Lul of an Esri have to be taken Derek Gidilosan. Derek Gidilosan means the way they grow. So that means the, the Lulav, let's say, you have the point of the lulav on top, the bottom where it's cut off from, towards the bottom. Because that's how it grows. Estrig is 
also have to be held that way. And of course, the lulav and the aravis and the das, when we set it up. So if you would take the lulav and esrik upside down, you weren't yitzim because you didn't take a derech kedilasim. That's the way the normative halach is. So he asks the following question. He says, example, the Asraigim, at that time at least, were growing wherever, let's say, in Europe, let's say Lulavim came from, from Morocco, and Asraigim were coming maybe from Israel, maybe coming from Greece. Now, he said, based on his understanding, that where it grew in that country, and when it goes to some other country, and he gives an example, Australia, they're on the other side of the globe. So if you want to know how it is growing compared to the people in Australia, his understanding was that they're standing upside down, or you know, because they're on the other side of the globe. Now, for some reason, they're not falling off the globe. Obviously, there's gravity. But the estrig and lulav grew in a place on the other side, upside down. So if you want to say the way it grew, well, where you're standing in Australia, it grew on the other side of the globe, the other way around. So it's sitting by you, not the way it grew. If you're holding it straight up, you're holding it the opposite of the way it grew, because in the place that it grew, it was. So then he says, no, there's no swara to say that. Really, the swara makes sense that if it would be growing here, the bottom would be the bottom and the top would be the top. And if you held it upside down, but he does mention it as a tzad. In other words, he brings up the idea, the possibility that maybe because in the place that it grew compared to where you are, it's upside down of your location, you should be yaitza or perhaps make sure to do it in the reverse way because you are the opposite side of the way. So that's a swara. I don't know. If he, how seriously he meant it, but he does write about it. And people laugh and they make fun of it. They said, Well, how could you have such a havamina? It's ridiculous. Why would you even think of such a thing? You should say that. But he says, Well, if you want to say Darkidilasan, how is the Darkidilasan to be understood? Yeah, it sounds totally off, but he does bring it up and people laugh about it. So in this edition, my edition, I bring you a little bit of a raya that perhaps the Svara is not so far-fetched, and perhaps others understood it the same way. For example, if you look in the Rambam, and the Rambam talks about how you're supposed to take the Lul Vanessa. So he cites, you have to take a Derek D. Lawson. It doesn't end with that statement. He says, Roshan Lamala V'Uksan Lamata. That's his Lashon. So why is the Rambam adding those words? Say Derek D. Lawson, Derek D. Lawson, man, you know how it goes. So it seems like he wants to be La Fouquet, that you shouldn't think, well, Derek D. Lassen, and I'm on the other side. He's telling you, no. <laughs> Derek D. Lassen means the way it would grow if it would be growing right here in front of you. Uh, obviously, it wouldn't be growing upside down because it couldn't grow upside down. Perhaps the Rambam is trying to give you that, take away that Havamina that, like the Archlaner is mentioning, there is maybe a Havamina. Ah, it looks ridiculous. But here you are, and there it was growing. And over there it grew uh, compared to you backwards. So he doesn't think it's, I don't think if you want to say that it sounds ridiculous, I'm not so sure if there isn't, it's not Shaney that maybe sounds ridiculous, but it could be something to take into consideration. The end is, of course, he said, dismisses it as a tzad and says, of course, we mean to take it the normal way. But that's what people look at. Huh, he looks at this Australia, he mentions. Imagine he knew about Australia and he understood it, that people are being drawn the other way. So he looked at it in a way that was a little bit not conventional, but perhaps not to be dismissed out of hand. That's way one thing. The second interesting one that people talk about, that Ad everybody in Halacha thinks about this Indian, Bismanazeh. He talks about taking Lula Bismanazeh is Midarabonan because we don't have a base in English. And he's Machadish, I believe in Tafresh Nunches, that Bizman Hazer in Yerushalayim, also you'll be Mekayim the Dinda Raisa, because according to the Rambam, at least according to the Rambam, Yerushalayim has a din of Lufnei Hashem. And anytime, just like in the base of Migdash, Lufnei Hashem is where it was considered that you Mekayim the Mitzvah Raisa, and therefore even on Shabbos in the base of Migdash, you would be Yaitse and you would take it. 
and because you mean the rice. It's only because of the Dinder Rabbanan that Rabbanan said that we shouldn't take it, Shema Yavru, Dalaramas. But in the base of Migdash, all seven days, Lulav was neutral, and the Kim the rice was done because you're doing it with Hashem. It's like the Rambam, Yerushalayim has a din of the Fnei Hashem. So, Lashitus Rambam, I, you might ask me if Lashitus Ram would say, take it on Shabbos. I guess the Chacham would not override according to all the other people who disagree with the Rambam, and therefore we won't go against the Takanas Chazal not to take it, but at least during the days that are not Shabbos, there's a Chash that maybe you'll be able to Mekayim, and as everyone knows, the briskers have a thing is that in Yerushalayim you should go away for, for during the days of Sukkot because it maybe your Esrig is not perfect and you're maybe over that you're not Mekayim the Daraisa and therefore maybe it's better you would be in Beit Shemesh or somewhere else because this way you're not taking an Esrig that's really not being Yitzah and you have a Chiyuv now to be Yitzah but other people don't look at it that way and many many G'daylim there's Chaim Zonnefeld and others, and Heintiger, we had Rav Zalman, and Rav Yashev, they all would be special to go to the Kaisel, which would be, of course, Yerushalayim, to do to this Eifen, where you could therefore, at least according to one Shita, perhaps the Rambam, you are being Mekayim, the mitzvah of Esrik Bizman as a Daraisa, even if it was the third day Chalamoid, or Shana Rabbah, whatever day of Chalamoid, first day, of course, everybody's here, it's a Daraisa, but in the other days of Yontif, there is no Daraisa unless you were in the base of Migdash and according to the Rambam anywhere in Yerushalayim. That's among the famous things of the Bukhari that almost everybody who uses it is aware of. I happen to have a neighbor, someone who dives in the shul, not a neighbor now, but he used to be a neighbor. His name is Dreyfus, last name. It seems that the Archaner mentions this family, Dreyfus, who used to be Eil Regal, and because of the name Eil Regal, Regal means a fuss in Yiddish, and three times would be dry. So he said that's why the name is called Dreyfus. So the people whose names are Dreyfus also are aware of the Urchaner and the Bikur Yaakov because he mentions their name. But I guess if your name isn't Dreyfus, you might not know about it. Of course, it's one of those things that people are looking at. Oh, look at that. He mentioned something unique, something different. But that's a funny thing, too. I don't know if it's funny, but it's interesting how he mentions that the name developed from the fact that these people were known. They were Euler Regal three times, and they were given that nickname that stayed with them, Dreyfus. Now, there are other things besides that. This is an interesting thing. But he has many, many things that are really unknown that people would be aware of. They would be very interested to know. Of course, right in the beginning, and besides that, the fact that he mentions the remes of Alof Dalad Nunyud and Yudke Bafke, and he mentions a very important thing that Alavdal Nunyud and Yudke Bafke combined together. This is the first Archlaner in the whole thing of Sukkot, the first shtickle that he mentions in his whole Sefer. It's Gematria of 91. So Alavdal Nunyud is uh, 65, and Shem Hashem is 26. Added together, it's 91. And he says that the person who, who's Makayim, the mitzvah of Sukkot, Sukkot is Rikimatria 91. And the two shameless of Hashem, I mean to say, is Alta Nun Yud is a shame Hashem and Yud Kevavke, combined together equal 91. If you're Makayim Sukkah, you have the Bracha Mechupelis of Sukkah, the Bracha of the two shameless, and also Amen Rikimatria 91. That's a very powerful thing. And I didn't really, I mentioned in the footnote, I explained how it works, but I didn't like, wasn't massive at the time. I'm thinking about it a lot of times. He means to say is that the siva of the Shem Hashem is Yudke Vavke, but the pronunciation is only Alotal Nunyud because we don't say it. But here, by the combination of Stukka, which equals 91, you have the two names the Shem Hashem Bechsivasai, the Shem Hashem Be'amirasai, the way you say it. And that means to say is Bemachshava Ubemaisa is included in sukkah. And if you make sukkah in the right way, you have all parts of the world, the hidden part and the physical part, together are included in sukkah. Of course, your whole goof goes into the sukkah the famous way. So it's an amazing thing. He starts over that remez as a way to introduce us to the beautiful and amazing mitzvah 
that is a combination and it encompasses all things. And that's one thing he does. He then he says to us a very interesting thing as far as sukkah is concerned, is that there's a mitzvah brought down. Why do we have sukkah? And there's one famous machoikas Rabbi Kiva, I mean Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Loza, if it's because of the Ananiya Kavit or it's because of that the um, that the people had sukkahs in those days. And what kind of kavanah should you have? So the Archoner is of the opinion that you need to have both kavanas, and if case, even though the Mishabura says, but since the Torah tells you the reason, it tells you specifically the reason, which is the famous Bach, when the reason is mentioned, it means it's a chiv to remember the reason, even though normally we say, if you don't have kavanah, perhaps certain reasons why you might be yotza anyway, but in this case, because the Torah tells you, he tells you that you need to have the reason in mind, and not only you have the reason, you need both reasons in mind. And he tells you that therefore tell the people when they come to the sukkah and you're about to make Kiddush, look up at the schach, remember that the Jews were in the Mitzrayim and they came out and they were in the sukkah, and remember that on covered. And then he says that if you didn't, even the Dievet, you should try to wash again, not to make the bracha again, have in mind when you make Hamaiti again and eat a Kazayas with the Kavanas. Because it's so important, even on the Bidiyevet, you should try. That's what he says. Now, of course, if you don't do it, Mishabura says you will Yaitza. But he seems to say, even Bidiyevet, you won't be Yaitza. You have to do it again. That's a big Kiddush, and people might not know about it. I want to mention one more thing. He says an amazing thing. Everyone knows Rosh Hashanah, the second night Rosh Hashanah, because it's a Shaila Yama Richter. So should you make Shechiyonu again, or shouldn't you make Shechiyonu again? So the minig in Klai Yisrael is you have a new fruit or a new beged, and you make the shachianu. Of course, you have a mind the yontiv, like you should. And just as an extra, we do this thing. It's not required. If you don't have it, you'll still make the shachianu. But it's a thing that you should do. He mentions, he doesn't mention the Rosh Hashanah, he mentions a famous El Yerabah, Maybe not so famous, but it's a El Yerabah. That on the second night, Sukkot, you should have a new fruit on the table. Oh, uh, why? Every Yontif, whether it's Pesach, Shavuot, and Golas, when you have second thing, we make Shechiyana, we make Kiddush again the second time. The Shaila is what you make first. If you make the Leisha first, you make the Shechiyana first. Okay, that's Machlaikis, many of the Gain, of the others. But as far as the Shechiyana, nobody seems to be bothered the fact that you'll make it again because. Maybe the first time wasn't Sukkot. So now we make it again, like the same thing by Pesach. Maybe the first time wasn't Pesach. So we make Shechionu again because that's the way it goes. However, he says, the famous thing is, the Gemara says, if you make a Sukkot a few days before Yontem and you make the Shechionu on the Sukkot at the time you make it, you won't make Shechionu when Sukkot comes because you already ate him when you made the Asiyah. So Frakta al or the Al-Yurab actually, so why on Sukkot, if the first night wasn't Sukkot, but we hold that if you make it on the Sukkot before, when you made a Sia, you were Yaitza and you don't make So here too, you made it the first night. How could you make Shechianu again on the second night? Zaktar Even though others might say that they disagree and it's not, you should, it's not Kasha and you should make it. The Chayshish for the El Yerabba, he brings down the El Yerabba. You should, if possible, put a shachiyanu fruit, something that you weren't yet, didn't have yet, and you should therefore be the chash. Perhaps the first night is already the the mitzvah was the the bracha was already uh, goes on it already, just like when the asiyas. And this way, you will take away that problem. Of course, if you don't have it, it's not a problem. So, if you're not aware of it. You ate up all your shechiyano fruits because you think like when you make shechiyano, you bring twenty-eight fruits on the table. Like it's a, like it's like you think it's like chamishas um, already, and you got to bring every type that you ever ever saw in your life and put it out there. So I asked my wife, by the way, did we ever leave out a shechiyano this year? Because I would like to do. Because now that I did it over, I was aware of it. I said, oh, <laughs> I should have saved one. So if you happen to have one. It wouldn't be a bad idea to do like the Archonair mentioned, the Barakariyaka mentioned. And just, just for that, he mentions it would be good to do it. And if you don't do it, 
don't leave out Shachiyon. But that's one of the interesting things. A lot of interesting things he talks about. And this is one of them. Something else that's very relevant, I think, is uh, Hishanis. You know, when when do we say Hishanis? Do we say it... Um, in, in the, right in the middle of the evening or the end or the end. So Ashkenaz or Svard. So what does right. he talk about that? So he mentions as follows. This is a very interesting thing because he was an Ashkenaz. And Ashkenaz, everyone knows, does it by Musaf, after Musaf. Uh, I think that's how it's done. And it's by the Hasidim or Poland, I guess you would say, and in those places, maybe Hungary too, they would do it after Hal. So this is a famous thing. It's the Bach who brings a raya. The Bach in the Archlam mentions the Bach that it's got to be by Musaf because they would say some, some type of thriller that um, they're saying goodbye to the Mizbech. So in Bukhari Yaakov, I think it's Tafesh Samach, I believe, or something over there, Shanis, he talks about it. And he says that the Bach's raya is not so clear. It could be that that really would have been by Shachas too, because there's a hefsig then of a tefillah, and there's Muslim, so it doesn't mean that it happened to be when we said goodbye, even though maybe you're still in shul, it doesn't have to mean that it was at the end after you finished Muslim. The fact that you said goodbye to the Mizbech after you did Hashanah. The fact that's the raya of the Bach, but since they said afterwards like a washing of goodbye, or something like that, so it means that there must have been then. No, and he has other riots to say that it should be after Howl. And one of the things he also mentions is why would you be Matriach to take out the Sefer Torah? Because the Archlanerim explains the Taz. The Taz says that you go around the Bima and you put the Sefer Torah on the Bima and you go around the Bima, Zecher, to the Mizbeach. Explains the Bukhari Yaakov. Archlaner explains in this Sefer Bukhari Yaakov what is the fact that the Sefer Torah and the Bima is a remez to the Mizbeach. Very, very interesting thing he said. That by laning, when you lane the Pasha of the Karbanas, that is sort of bringing a carbon. And by the Mizbeach, that's what you did. You brought a carbon. So it makes the Bima into a Mizbeach, and the people used to go around the Mizbeach when they said the Hishanas. So that's why he said, because you didn't lane yet, right? but you have that mockum and you put the Sefer Torah there where you're going to lane. So it makes that idea of the Mizbeach and you're going around Zecher to what we did in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, we would go around and based on his new understanding where he disagrees with the Bach, he seems to say very stark that the right time would have been to say Hashanah after Hal. Lafuke, the minig, even in Ashkenaz, which was to wait till after Musaf based on the Bach. So he says, it's usher to change any minig. You can't change the minig. So if your minig happens to be like you're in Ashkenaz, if you're in a place where it's obviously they're doing it after Hal, okay. But if that's the minig, you cannot change it. You have to do it after Musaf, that's it. Then he says an interesting thing. However, if for some reason you were late to Shul and you didn't have a Shachris yet, <laughs> I guess you were so late that you're already showing up. It's pretty much left the Musaf already. And they're starting to say, Hashanis, and you're, you're before. I mean, maybe unless you caught up and you were finishing Shachris when they were finished. I don't know. You should say Hashanis where you are. In other words, because you're late, and you're trying to catch up, and you might be right after Shachrits, and you might say, well, I can't say now Hashanah, because I really got to say it after Muslim. No, 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 no. Since the real place was to say it after Howl, and that's where you're holding, say it with the Tzibur now, and be Yitzit Hashanah, because that's really where it should be. Of course, if you are a Tzibur, you wouldn't do that, but if you are a Yachid that's coming in late, and that's where they are, say it with them, because it's the right place, and that's it. Now, he talks about, you can mention the other thing, which we'll talk about. So, yeah, so you, you wanted me to, uh, met, you, met, you, you mentioned to me that I should ask you, so I don't know, disclaimer, I don't know what you're going to say about the koshikul, the koshalach that we hold the, the love, and you said, right. you, and the Dasmarovas, you said you wanted to, uh, you have something to say about that. 
Archanes says a, a phenomenal thing. Okay, he talks about that you have to that the minig is that we take it's even though it's at at a hither, but once it's a hither, it becomes part of the mitzvah. So, for example, when it comes to the dalaminim, it's a hither rather than ze'achazeh to have them tied together and take it as a one group. Even though each one is a mitzvah b'pnei so if you don't have one of the dalaminim, you take them by themselves. You'd make a separate bracha. Instead of antils lul, you'd make asher kedushana antils esreg, you'd make hadas alul. That's the way it goes. When we have it together, we make one bracha because the lulav is the most prominent. So we make a bracha so in order to do it that way, you need to tie it together. So what kind of a tying does it have to be? Dr. Bikriyakev, it has to be a tying, what we call kesher agabi kesher. That means that you tie it in a way that it's totally tied in a way that you can't take out one without untying the whole thing. So that if you have it in a way where it's tied, that means, so it gives an example. A kesha gabi kesha means a, a type of tying that would not be able to be undone on Shabbos without being over the iser of, of being matar kesha. Or the way to tie it is an iser of tying on Shabbos. And there, that type of iser is called just one loop is not an iser on Shabbos. But a double, which means you made a knot, that's an iser. And that's the type of kesher is required to make the kesher that you need when you dab the dalamina. Now, let me explain to you something very interesting. He says that people use this thing called a kesherol, kesherkloch, kesherkol, whatever it's called. That woven holder that's put onto the lulav. And then people tie it. It's not tied well, and he doesn't like it at all. Now, the Premier Godin talks about it, and he mentions that the Premier Godin brings it down. He says the reason he doesn't like it is because you're not making it tied on in a way that cannot be removed. In other words, you could slip in and out the lulav, the rovers, the adasin. Everything goes flying in and out. And if it's such an ifen where it's not tied with a double knot, he doesn't feel that you did the kesher in the right way. And therefore, your union of making the bracha on one tied-up thing is not there. Furthermore, he mentions that if you're able to slip off the the, the Aravat Adasim, it means that it wasn't tied on. That's what it means. And he's very stark about it. And not only that, he says that you cannot have it in a way where it could be easily slipped on and off. So, when I see people on Sukkot and they tell me, I tie on my, my lulu with Adasim with this kajukul, and then after I slip it off and I stick it in the refrigerator. It's no good because the Ochanes says that you need to tie it in a way that it can't come on and off. And if you're able to take it on and off and you slip it off and on and I stick it into my refrigerator or into the water or whatever you're doing, you obviously didn't tie it because you didn't make it in a way that it cannot be taken off and on. That's what he says. Now, you'll ask me, oh, but it's going to dry up. There are ways, if you pay attention, there are ways you can dampen a cloth around it with a silver paper, with this, and it'll stay. And it might need to be changed in middle column light, but it's at least called a kesher. Now, those are the people that use the kosher. Some people tie it directly. They don't use the kosher. They just tie it. But it's got to be in a way that even that whole bundle that you might, you cannot have it slipping off. That you have to try very hard to tighten it with a double knot, three knots that you put on, or whatever it is that it is, to keep it as a way where it's called a kesher, that you're over on Shabbos. That's what he mentions. That you'll be over on Shabbos to be matter, untie it or retie it. That's the type of kesher he needs. And the people who use the kaishikol, it doesn't seem to be a way where you could do it that way. And he seems to say not to use it. Now, Prima God mentions it, and he holds even without tying it on, it's called tied up. So that's the machoikas. And you have to look at others. And if you're minigas to use it, I'm not telling you not to do it. But the Archoner himself, the Bikriyak himself, has the opinion that the only way it's considered one lulav, 
with the minim together to make thus that bracha, I believe that the way I understand it, I might be wrong, but the way I understand it is he would say that you shouldn't, you cannot do it that way. Now, if you want to say I understood it wrong, okay, but this is the way, the straight way that I learn it in the Bukhari Yaakov. And it's an important thing to look over if you want to do it. And others mention it and others say the Bukhari Yaakov was correct about it. So it's a it's a way that it should be done. I think so. Of course, I have Nagiyas because I don't use a Kashiku. I hear. So obviously very interesting. A lot of, a lot of good examples. So let's talk a little bit now about the actual work that you did. You mentioned a couple of examples of the footnotes that you did. So um, I actually, actually, I forgot one more thing before we get there, we should mention, and you we, you mentioned this to me off the air. Um, how many times does the Mishnah Brewer quote him? Obviously, the Mishnah Brewer obviously used it a lot. Do you know how many times the Mishnah Brewer's qu- quote to be Kuryakim? Well, it, it was originally, I believe, when I did it 23 years ago when I published it, I believe at that time I had a Cheshman of over 300 times. However, this time, I just didn't want to say it. So I was trying to figure it out. But it's at least 250, if not 300. The interesting thing is that Bikur Yaakov sometimes mentions him, and he paskins like him. Sometimes he just brings him down, which seems to mean that he's not paskining, because he just says, Bikur Yaakov, Kasa, whatever. So that doesn't mean that he paskins every single time. But he mentions him. And in fact, sometimes he mentions him, quoting his words, and not telling you that it's the Bikur Yaakov. So in other words, he might want to explain or paskin even a certain way, and he'll just use the words of Bikur Yaakov and without, without any reference to him. In other words, he won't bring it down to Shartzian. He just will say, uh, blah, 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 uh, you know, so when I bring it down in my footnotes, I have two ways that I write it. And I maybe, I don't know if I explained it to the people. Sometimes I write King Kasa. Kenkasa means that he's pretty much saying that's the way you should do. Kenkasa Mishabura, so that means that he's Mishabura is bringing him down as the way to do it. Sometimes I write Huvadvarov, because Huvadvarov means among other swarm or other Paiskim, he brings him down. It doesn't necessarily mean that he passed him that way. You have to look in the Mishabura maybe, but and sometimes I write that he brings him down, but I don't tell you that he doesn't say his name, but that's what it is basically, because I could see from the words. He didn't bring it from anybody else that says the words that way. It's only him. So he's means to say him. And for whatever reason, he doesn't say his name. So altogether, it's got to be close to, to 50, 300, maybe even more from all the times that he mentioned them. So the Mishan Buru really, and as many people have told me, the Bikr Yaakov is basically the Paisak Achrin based on anyone who brings him down. I mean, anyone who, if he talks about it, it's most of the time that's how they're going to say the dinners. And there's a lot of swarm subsequent. Of course, you have the the, the Meshavira, you have the Uncle Shulchan, you have the Chayadam, you have um, Sefer Chaim Ubracha. All these people, they're all sort of sort of what he's saying is pretty much the way it ends up. Sometimes they argue, but a lot of times it's basically what he says. Okay, so now getting back to what I was going to ask you about these, your actual Sefer. So, I mean, the first time you did this, 20, 20 years ago, not now, we'll get to what you just changed, if anything. But when you did it, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things in your footnotes. I mean, talk about the footnotes and then, you know, it, you know what the things that you added in the back and just, you know, what your addition, how your addition differed from the old ones. One of the things was um, that um, Rabbi Horowitz of Varishalayim, along with his son, the Rabbi Huda, they helped me out. First of all, they they gave me uh, some of the notes that the uh, like Saviad notes that were written from the Archner himself with his son, as well as from Yerbi Rucham Fischel Perla, they have this whether they, they got a hold of it or they had it for us, the family, they had it. Um, at the same time, I was told maybe by them, I don't remember now, but somebody else maybe that there's a family called Bamberger, an ankle of the famous Rav of Würzburg. Rabbi Yitzchak Adoyev Halevi Bamberger, and they had sort of a Xaviad or something based on the Kuryakiv that was in the family. And I contacted them, and it ended up that one of the great-great-grandchildren, or great-grandchild, um, he had typed over from Xaviad notes that his Zayda, Rabbi Yitzchak Adoyev, famous Rav, the Versberger Rav, who he's known as, he has a mechutten actually in the end that one of his children married the the Bukriyakov's child. 
So one of them, but and before that already, they were very, very close friends. He was in Würzburg, he was in Altuna, but they were always in correspondence with each other. So this notes, these Ha'aris, which were typed over, the interesting thing about the Bikir Yaakov was as follows. First of all, he, he published it himself twice. The first time it came out, and then he reset the whole thing. And it wasn't just that he reprinted it a second time. He reset the whole thing. It was interesting. And then in the in the second half, or the back of the Sefer, all, a lot of comments that were sent to him by Gedolim were published, and he called it Taisus Bikurim. Now, the Taisus Bikurim, the Ha'aris are published from the people, and then the, the Bikur Yaakov answers these Ha'aris. So if they said to him, you, you made a mistake, he would explain what he meant, or they said that you, whatever. That was one thing of the Sefer. A lot of it, or maybe even most of it, was from the Würzburger Rolf. A lot of these are ours. But he would almost always, sometimes he would say, you were right. Sometimes he said, you made a, yeah, I made a mistake. He admitted if he made a mistake. He didn't say, he said, sometimes he said, I didn't see that safer, whatever. But for the most part, he defended his position. Whenever they would say to him, you were wrong, or I don't agree. And he would go fighter, and it would be a big, um, explanations would, would expand the, the topic or the, the whole sugya that he was talking about it, with a little more to it. So it would be very, very important, in my opinion, that if he has a comment that's in the Taisa Bikurim, it should be looked at and and read over and, and, and understood what he's trying to say. So that's what he did the second time. The interesting thing was, even though he reset the whole cipher, as far as I could see, it's a totally new. It's not like he took the old safer and just added this stuff in the back. Even though he didn't give you in the Bikuri Yaakov any indication when you should look in the Taisus Bikuri. You had no idea. So one of the things that I thought would be important, and which I did, would be to indicate in the Bikuri Yaakov when you should look in the back. Otherwise, what am I supposed to do? Every single time I should look in the back? I don't know. It'll be very tiring that every time you finish a sif or a sif cotton, okay, let's check the back. However, when I did is I did it over. Among the things that I did was I put a star. It means where there's a star in the Bikuri Yaakov, it means there's something there that's in the Taisus Bikuri. So if you see a star, now, when I did it 23 years ago, that's all I did. I put a star and then when you got to the Tzibikurim, which I redid the Tzibikurim as well, you, you knew. But seems like people weren't reading my Hagdom. And seems like people didn't know. What is this star? Who knows what it means? And it was like, what? Is a Tzibikurim? What am I supposed to look there? It was as if I didn't do anything. Of course, it bothered me very, very much because I felt that the Tzibikurim is a very important part of the Sefer. So this time, among other things that I did, on the page itself, where there was anything that had a star. Now, some pages had two, three, or four stars, or maybe even more. On that page itself, right before my, my Ha'aris in the bottom, I had a star on the bottom of the, uh, the Bukuri Yaakov. It says, I enticed Bukurim Bisaifa Saifa. So, I guess you should, uh, you would realize, hey, what does this guy mean? Maybe I should read this Agdama. In fact, even in the Shar, on the Shar blot, right before Bikur Yaakov starts, I made a Ha'ara. Please note, anytime you see a star, it means go to the Taisa Bikurim. That was it. Among other things. So that's one of the things. But I want to mention one more thing. In the Taisa Bikurim, besides answering the Ha'aris that was sent to him, whether it was Rabbi Kiva Eger, or by the Rav, or whether it was from his son, or son-in-law, or, or some other Rav in, in every place, he also added new Ha'aris. In other words, even though he wrote, and even though he reset it, he didn't put in a new letter or a new number. He didn't go put a Sifkat and Dalit star and put it, he didn't do it that way. He just, in the back, said he wants to be Moisif. In other words, so it belongs in the Shulchan Aruch. So in about, I would say about 10 different places, perhaps, in the Shulchan Aruch itself, he has a new Ha'aris, which if it would have been in the original Bukuriyak, it would have a letter. It doesn't have a letter. Okay, so that's the way it is. Or even in the Bikura, even in the Yaakov itself, he says, oh, I want to be Moise or something. It's in the back. You got to go there and look at it. So that's one of the things that I did. Among Besides the Aris, 
I made sure that you should know and be aware that there's a shot of the Tzibikurim. Whatever it was mentioned is a star. Got to look in the back. Now, another thing also, you have a section of some few tshuvas from the Binyan Tzian and Neshem Ritzian Anemon that you include in the back, right? That's right. So so, so I went through the, the tshuvas of the Binyan Tzian, as well as his sefer, the Neshem Ritzian Anemon, and there was this tshuvas chadashas, whatever. So the the, the, the yeshiva, Dvar Yishalayim, published those tshuvas, and they let me use them to put in there. And I it wasn't too many, maybe uh, 10, 15 of them. So if it was to Sukkah, as far as I could see, I can't say I, I got every single one, but I'm pretty sure I got just about all of them. I would stick it in the back. So in the order of Shulchan Aruch, so as you, you know, when you finish, I can't say why you're learning, you should look at it, but it's there as a separate section, a collection of his chubis related to Sukkah or Dalad Minim or Hashanas or Yontev in general or Isruchag or whatever it was. I figured that it would be something to enjoy or something to look at. I stuck it as a as a separate section. And that was um, one of the add-ons that I did. Um, also, as I mentioned, the the anical of the Vertsbergerov, the of Rav Bamberger, had given me Haaris that were never put in. In other words, when the Bakuriakov published and he answered these questions, it seems like that the Vertsbergerov on those answers, had his own answer back. But it was only two editions of Bukhari Yaakov, so it never was published. So he gave me those with about 40 more Horus. Besides that, I got other Horus that were given to me from the Mishpacha, whether it was from the, uh, from the official Perla and others. So we made a separate second called Horus Miksavyat. That means that whether it was from the Wurzburger Rav or from others that were given in that were never published, never added to the Taisa Bikurim, which should have been maybe in the Taisa Bikurim. So I put it in, and in the footnotes, in my footnotes, among other things that I wrote, in my notes that I wrote in the bottom of the page, I would tell you, oh, there's something here to look at. If or a Miksaviyad, in other words, that would have been an add-on to either the, the, the Bikuriyakov that, that would have been put in the Taisa Bikurim, or Stam, Ha'ara. So now you know there's a separate section. I put a note, a footnote in the Sefer, and I wrote it on the bottom, I in, in the Madura Ha'aris Miksaviyad. And you can go there and see what the person wrote. And of course, the the, the Kuryak himself couldn't answer it, but it's interesting to look at. That's the other section that I did. And then at the end, we did Maftechis, which are very helpful too. Now, you mentioned with this new edition, this uh, you know second edition of your new edition, you did change with the Taisa Bikurum with the star on the bottom. But was there anything else, any other substantial changes or just... You know, republishing it, just fixing well, up mistakes. And type well, of thing. other things, like, first of all, I got comments from people that I made mistakes in some of the Marmachimus. Now, the Marmachimus were add-ons, so it's my mistake. Not really that I did anything wrong with the Bakuri Yaakov itself, but it's not good. If I tell somebody it's a Marmachim and I don't give them the right one, it's really not nice. So I probably fixed about, I don't know, 70, 80 of those. And then I must have added maybe about 75 or 80 new Marmachimus that I didn't have in my original. So that was one of the things. And then in my notes on the bottom, which I put in, um, I did some fixes. I can't say I went through every single part, but I I fixed over some and I added a few new Ha'aris, some of them with a star because I didn't want to change the, the numbering that I did the first time. And, you know, in general, um, I believe that I wanted people to to have an idea from others form of Pyskin that we use Bismanazeh. So like sometimes people say, well, I'm gonna learn Bakuriyakov in the end I'm gonna have to look in the Mishaburu. So I try to tell you if the Mishaburu already said about it what he says. If he agrees, he agrees. And if he has a ha'ara or he wants to say a different shot, I tell it to you and you I tell you where to look at it. Sometimes the Mishaburu in one place says one thing and another place says a different thing. So I bring that down. I bring down other swarm well, the swarm that talk about the Yaakov or what his sheets were, because, um, you know, the, it is mentioned all over the place. So whether it's a Heintiger or whether it's the Arhashokhan or whether it's a Chazanish, if he talks about it, I put all these notes on the bottom so that it'll save you at least to know where to look. I try to make sure that I got it correct. No mistakes in those hours, but um, you never know. Maybe I have to fix, but I, I looked over it pretty much. So, those are artists on the bottom of the page, which I did the first time. There were some minor places in that itself, but for the most part, I didn't I didn't change much of that.
but it was certain places I fixed them, certain places I I was moist of, depending on what it was, whatever I was able to find now. So, I mean, let me ask you, is is this the type of, you know, would you say that this is useful for anyone? Is this only, or is the safer only something someone has to be learning Hilcha Sukkah, learning Be'in Sukkah in order to find the safer, you, you know, You don't have to look at of course, look, if you're not going to be interested in learning about the halachas, I guess, why are you looking at it? But but for, for the most part, <clears throat> he gives you a very nice, easy to learn. It's not the teeth, you know, that you have to really be totally whatever, but whatever you'll see, you always find something. For example, um, he talks about the fact that, let's say, in, let's say, Hichos and Lulub, he'll tell you um, there's the nine shitas in what's called a, a Lulub Hashalom. Nine. And then he goes through all nine. And then he tells you what type of Lulub you should look for that will cover all nine. In other words, if you get this Lulub, you'll be yet to all nine shitas. Okay? So he talks about it. Now, you might learn dialogue and you'll say, well, I'll take this type. But he'll tell you, hey, but you're taking that type, you're not getting that type. Or he'll tell you this. So he gives you that. It helps you with a lot of other things, not just to tell you. He gives you a, a braid kite in the, in the sugya, at the same time, not getting you lost in the whole Gemara, but it gives you straight to the thing. And then he gives you, so anyone who wants to like, you know, it's an enjoyable lima on its own, but of course, you come to Olamaisa. He doesn't just leave you there with the lambdas. He gives you the, the end, the result of it. And it, it's very, even if you learn a few parts of it, whether it's Esri, the Lula, the or Achila, the or Star, or even he'll tell you a Chiddush that you didn't know about in Hashanis, or he'll tell you, you know, he, he talks about a Chassan, and he tells you, well, oh, Chassan, when is a Chassan? When is he getting married, exactly? A Chassan in the middle of Sukkot, when are you getting married? You know, he talks about, when is he called a Chassan? When does it start? Is, is it only from the Chassan? No, it tells you it's from the Afrof already. And that's the first place that you'll find that. It's an interesting thing to know. He's the one that tells you. Chassan starts from when he becomes, when he gets up the Aliyah. So that's also, so yes, it's a Geshmak Alimut on its own, whether you're Tiferein in Halacha or just to get to the general idea of the Yamta. It's very nice. I know, um, so which I mentioned, it is soft cover this time. I know it's available in, in Big Lies and Jadega Plaza on, and Amazon, and I'll link to Amazon for those. Obviously, as I said, it's inavailable in those farm stores, and maybe you'll mention if it's in others, but I'll put the Amazon link. People can order on Amazon. I think it's even on Prime. So, but it's in it's in uh, a soft cover. I mean, yeah. do, 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 yeah, I would have, I would originally made it in the hard cover the first time. Um, it was very late when I finally finished it. It would have been hard to get it done, in fact, to, to get a hard cover out in time. So, for the people who have been asking me for the last 20 years when it's been out of print, I figured, you know what, I'll, I'll just make as a few copies, which I did. I didn't do many, maybe a hundred or so. And I put into a few stores. And of course, Amazon was the place that I did it because they would do it for me the fastest. Mitzvah Shem, eventually, I guess we'll get a, get a, a hardcover edition out again. But at the moment, this is what I did it. I can't 100% guarantee, but right now, it's pretty much available as a soft cover edition. Right. And like I pointed out, it's not in the Machon Yerushalayim, Archlaner, and Sukkah. So it is in the, the set, but obviously not nearly what you did, but I'm just in general. I, I want to like, tell, tell you, just I'm not trying to knock whatever, but the people who who have been doing, you know, the sets, I looked at two sets recently, and I, I don't, I'm not saying criticizing them, but in a lot of places, they they should have been a little bit more paying attention to what it was. Uh, at least in two of them that I saw, the two places both make the same mistakes when they read through the Bukhari and don't pay attention to how he was trying to think. Another thing that was important also, that he did certain ways of trying to stress um, when he wanted to make a, like, like we would say, we'd underline something or bold it. They didn't have that in those days. You had to realize how they did it in the printing of those days. They did a different type of often of putting out the letters a little spread apart. So I was very much aware of it, and I made sure in my safer to put a bold in those places because that's what he's trying to do, which they didn't have. The other new swarm that did it over have no clue what, what was going on, and they totally missed it. And I feel that the mechaber was trying in at least a dozen places to to emphasize something, which I made sure that you should notice it because I did I did the bold. And, and it's not something that should be overlooked. And in some places, they totally 
misspelled certain things because they didn't read how he was writing it. Mamish, uh, big mistakes. But not. So if you look in the end of, let's say, Tafresh Lamates, right before Tafresh Lamates, I guess it's the end of Tafresh Lamates and the Taisi Bikurim, you'll see that it's not exactly the way it was written. And I, I did it over in a way that it should be clear what was going on. But there are other places that they seem to have, they weren't learning it. They were just typing. They got to learn it first to understand what he meant and then type it up after. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll include the Amazon link in the uh, show's notes. And let me just ask you as a last question, are there any other project or projects that you're uh, currently working on now that you've finished this new edition of the Bukuriyakov? You know, every time I do a project and I say, oh, I, you know, you want to do something else, but you got to pay attention that somebody might tell you, you know, you didn't do 100%, and I'm always looking to do 100%. So even though I could say that I did a pretty good job on the Bukuriyakov of the second edition, I'm not going to say that it's not going to have to be again. There's always something else and something else might come up. But as far as other projects, Mitzvah I I hope um, I hope to have many interesting things coming up um, in the very close future. We have the projects on Siddur and I have uh, on Haggadah, Shopesach, on Chumash, many volumes. I have something on Shas that probably be about seven, eight volumes that one day I hope to put out from a region that's very, very famous that didn't do on Shas. But if you'll see it, you'll say, wow, that was it. I have it. It's sitting by me, but it's going to be a big avoider. So a lot of these things are closer. Their reality is and the Siddur stuff that I have will probably be out hopefully within the year. And the Chumash stuff also might be in a year or so. Very, very interesting things. A couple of volumes of a previous Safer. Not, not, not that I, I do my own. I, I try not to because I, I don't think people need my own. But from previous, it would be helpful to make it in a way that you get out some other perspective of the same safer that you weren't aware of that would give you a, such a phenomenal understanding of what the person was trying to do for you. It would be a, a, a thing that has to be, but it, it takes work. You can't just, can't just throw it out there without doing the work. Very interesting. Okay, we're well, looking forward. And um, okay, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Rabnachi. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Call to-